0: Guys. Wow, guys hello and welcome to another episode of two guys who were sick on the weekend with me daniel and are McCorm- still kind of sick yes with me daniel corn currently and, recovering
1: from a flu and me cory gardner currently recovering from some extreme cold
0: yum <laughs> So, I'll listen to that me <laughs> goodness. That's great. You're going to be hearing a lot of that over the next hour or yeah. so. It's going to be real sexy. That's, yeah, that's, that's going to be really good. So, um,
1: so normally yeah,
0: there's a time where I'd be like, hey, how's your week been? But I kind of know how your week's been, which is yeah. you've been sick, so probably and working. bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You getting, getting into the job?
1: Yeah, I guess so. Working I'm into I'm, it. I'm getting used to being a warehouse man. Yeah. It's all right. Yeah, you get into a groove eventually. Shit, I, just, I wanted to say something. I don't remember what. <laughs> oh, I think it's funny how we planned to start doing this on Saturday. And, like, usually we do it on Tuesday. But because we were sick, we have somehow, like, gone full circle and come back to Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how we're going to get ourselves out of this one.
0: Because <laughs> I really can't do Tuesday. Well, we'll we're, we'll, we'll just, <coughs> you know, this is going to... People will just get, like, episodes that are four days apart from yeah, each other or something. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah, that's cool. Because we're not going to... We're not gonna like st- stagger another week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That would be a foolish thing to do. We would just be losing so many episodes. Yeah, exactly. The people
1: would be losing so yeah, many we, episodes. Yeah, we can't have that. I think that we unconsciously look at the computer whenever we address them. Yeah, we do. That's
0: funny. <laughs> that, that That's our window. <coughs> yeah, that's true. our window to Otherwise, the we're just talking to each other. Yeah. Hey, I flew over the weekend. That sucks. It was shitty. Yeah, you couldn't even come hang out with us. Nah. At first, I thought it was just a hangover. Because it happened the day after we all got together <coughs> to play. Oh, you weren't there. Yeah, we got together there. to play Cards, humani- cards Against Humanity. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I guess you wouldn't have come because it was a weeknight. Yeah, exactly. But that game was really fun. Yeah, I would like to come. It was I pretty be, yeah. hilarious. But, yeah, so, so we were all drinking and stuff. And the next day, I woke up and I didn't feel great. And I just thought it was like a hangover. And then it sort of kept going until the nighttime. <coughs> and then I couldn't sleep. And then I started pooping a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> then I called the doctor and she was all yo I think you have the flu and I was like ugh oh, that sucks bummer so the moral of the story is get your flu shot I hadn't gotten my like I've, I know, I've never gotten a flu shot before and hmm. now I feel like I should
1: I don't mean to sound like some paranoid nut job yeah. but every time I've ever gotten a flu shot I end up getting sick
0: hmm. Uh-oh. Well, because they are injecting the vaccine. Sure, Colorado, right? but I like mean they are yeah, the, injecting the disease into. Of you. Of course, of course, that's why. But it just it seems counteractive. Hmm. I mean, I've never seen anyone else that happened to anyone else before. No, that's not entirely true. But I, I can't f- think happens it happens to my dad. Maybe it's just a gardener. Maybe you got bad blood. Yeah, bad blood with the with the flu virus. <coughs> Maybe in general. Yeah. Alright, should we talk about some music instead of sicknesses? I guess so. Because, like, people will be hearing enough about sicknesses throughout this episode through your or They're down with the sickness. Ooh, or ha, we are. are down with the
1: sickness, rather.
0: Yeah, we are.
1: Yeah, let's talk about music. There's yeah. a lot to talk about. What have you been listening to? Alright, well, I just finished reading Fargo Rock City by Chuck Klosterman, which yeah, is yeah.
0: which you lent to me. Oh, that was what I wanted to start with. I wanted to start with the Two Loud Guys book review. Because, because cool. we both cause, yeah, because yeah, you, you just finished, uh, right? Fargo: Rock City, and I just finished <laughs> Everyone Loves You When You're Dead yeah. by Neil Strauss. Right. But you you go on about Fargo. Since- well,
1: you know, it's his first book, and it was him trying to basically make a case for hair metal, or you know, whatever you want to call it, pop metal. Hard like he rocker. just calls it heavy metal. Exactly, which is one of my biggest qualms with the book. But I'll get to that. Sure. Uh, but how that relates to what I've been listening to is that it's kind of brought me back to a lot of kind of like the hard rock and heavy metal and pop metal that I loved in high school and kind of like made me want to revisit a lot of it and just generally listen to like different kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I've been listening to a lot of 80s Kiss, for instance. Great. Uh, Great. Yeah. <laughs> so he's kind of been inspiring that. Um, yeah, the the book was
0: cool. I don't know if he proved his point really. What? Well, well no, he totally does. Like his point that... Metal is, like, culturally important. That's what he's trying to prove. That it's, like, not just kind of this shallow music and that, like, whether that depth was intended or not, that music means something and is not just a thing to be dismissed. And I guess he proves that it means something to him, which is enough. Not even that, but, like, he almost proves it within the first couple pages of just being, like, this is a thing that affected a lot of people, like, a lot of music and a lot of just... People in general, because it was a mainstream thing, and anything that is mainstream and affects that many people is something that is worth looking at with a deeper lens.
1: Yeah, 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 that's fair, I guess. In that sense, he definitely does prove it. I guess the only reason that I feel he didn't necessarily is because so many parts of it are like really rambly and sometimes i lose sight of what his
0: actual point is supposed to be a little but i mean he's very you know he's very personal about yeah, it which is yeah. how his writing style exactly is. yeah it is it's just a style to it. but i do see what you what mean does. like it doesn't it doesn't come off as a uh, as like a thesis yeah exactly or even like you know like it is it, almost like he's trying to put together <laughs> some kind of like Almost like a research book, and it doesn't really come off as that. It comes off yeah. like a Chuck Klosterman book. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly the problem.
1: But yeah, and so my biggest problem initially with it was the fact that he kind of has a very specific, I guess, concept of heavy metal. And that's why, like you said last time, like he doesn't mention a band like Venom, who I maintain are probably more important in the development of metal than almost any band he does mention. And the thing is that... You know he takes these pop metal bands and then a few other bands like Judas Priest and Iron Maiden and and like turns that into the whole of heavy metal and doesn't re and like and then he'll he slightly talks about death metal and half of the big four thrash bands yeah. and that's kind of it and 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 what made me deal with that and be okay with it is that uh I read this quote by him where he talks about the fact that he is very conscious of the fact that his writing is really solipsistic and Mm self-absorbed and when he and like reading him say that kind of made me realize okay I get it now that like in your world this is what you define as heavy metal and it's okay that you don't mention a lot of other important things because that's not your point here Mm -hmm. the thing is
0: he's talking about mainstream metal specifically like stuff that is very very mainstream Um, But he
1: doesn't only, like, he does talk about things like Slayer, for instance. But but
0: that's what he's, like, yeah, that's for, like, one part of the book. Like, he's focusing on pop metal, specifically. So he is, uh, he's sort of focusing on the popular metal, and then because of that, he's sort of focusing, it's like he's taking sort of the mainstream pop culture person's stance on metal, which is, like, to to a regular pop listener who just got into metal in the 80s, like the people that he's trying to talk about and trying to, like, examine, that is just heavy metal. Like, there is no real genre distinction between that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's true, and I guess the fact that he does kind of talk about metal as this
1: style of music where the lyrical content is kind of all geared toward, you know, mostly sexual themes and all that kind of stuff is exactly what the mainstream kind of conception of metal was at the time. So it does make a lot of sense. And I guess... What it what reading it also kind of helped me do is kind of get over some of that almost metal elitism I developed over time, which isn't to say that I ever thought that, you know, like a death metal or a black metal band was any more more worth considering or whatever, uh, or more valid than a pop metal band, but just that I had developed a sense that those pop metal bands weren't actually metal bands or whatever. And I remember in high school, I used to really kind of fight for them with our friend Tal, for instance, who at the time was a total metalhead. And, you know, I wasn't yet, but I really liked all the bands Chuck Klosterman talks about. That was kind of my scene. So I'd be like, no, Motley Crue are a heavy metal band just as much as whatever, you know... And, and, and since I had kind of grown out of thinking that way, he kind of brought me back into it in a new way where I'm able to accept all those bands as falling under the same paradigm of heavy metal and, like, you know, not being kind of... Much like how I was talking about last time with that other book I was reading where he's talking about the whole idea of the genre as simply a construction and nothing yeah. more, this kind of falls under into that kind of idea, too.
0: It's also that, like, metal is almost split in two... After you know, besides the fact that it splits into like all these different subgroups, <laughs> like it sort of splits now between like the ex- like extreme metal and that whole balloon, and you know going into like doom and death and, mm-hmm. and black stuff, and then just like heavy metal, right? Almost. Traditional, I guess. Yeah, for a better word. yeah, yeah. You know, I almost feel like there's like a, there's such a total difference, and obviously. The influence but, and there's of so much overlap, yeah, especially with doom, mm, which is a tradi- the yeah, most yeah, traditional yeah, form definitely of metal with doom, especially. But it almost feels like there is that that split in the middle, mm-hmm. like especially with like death and black metal, yeah. and their offshoots, yeah, where it's sort sure. of like this is not what, like you know, that's not what Chuck Klosterman is talking about when he's talking about heavy metal mm-hmm. at all. Which again kind of comes back to why I do have a bit of a problem with it still in that. He
1: isn't talking about it, but he still mentions it. He still mentions death metal and its existence, and like and that kind of thing, and acknowledges it, but doesn't talk about certain other things. But that's because that's not what
0: he's trying. Like that doesn't fit. Into right, what he's, he's just trying to using it. I guess like but... time period wise and mm-hmm. and conceptually, you know, those bands are underground. Those bands are not mainstream mm. to his sort of thesis of these bands are important because they were popular. That doesn't really fit in at all. And he and he makes a very obvious point where he says like death metal people just want to, like, talk about killing themselves. You know, it's, like, much more serious, and it's mm-hmm. not about just, like, girls and partying and maybe yeah. drugs and stuff. Yeah. Or, or like, decadence. It's about, like, really horrible shit.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sweet book. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. Uh, so, I read Everyone Loves You That You're Dead, when, when You're Dead, and that is a great book. Yeah. That book is so cool. I love the way he, like, weaves his through lines. Like the way he yeah, he it's goes really it's just a series interviews. of
1: interviews, but it has
0: like there's an arc to each part. It's really yeah. interesting. It's not yeah, yeah. There's this great just like the way he goes, he connects the interviews together. Mm-hmm. Like even on a macro or on a on a micro level mm-hmm. of just like well, this guy mentions Beck, and now we're switching to a Beck interview. Yeah, exactly. Or like this person mentions this concept, and now we're switching to another interview where a different person has yeah. a different view on that concept.
1: Yeah, and it's cool because you know, he never, or he tried his hardest to never give any indication as to when the interview is from, so it yeah. just kind of feels like you just, you never really know, and that well, gives it kind of a unity in He a does
0: way. when it's, when it's important for you to know that, you know, like when it's yeah. like, I'm talking to Snoop after all this exactly. controversy it, but happened. But that's pretty much, like he said in this
1: interview that he very, it was very much his intention to make it so that, right. so that the person, you know, unless it was, unless it was absolutely necessary, didn't know when the interview was. Yeah. But yeah,
0: that guy is such a good interviewer, like, <laughs> yeah, just the, the, the sort of, just like, the balls he has to, like, ask the deep questions that he asks. Mm-hmm. Like, that takes a lot of courage to ask
1: And he's just really people. good at boiling it down to those deep questions and making them, like, something meaningful, something like, yeah. that
0: will get the other person thinking. Yeah. <laughs> I love the one where he tricks, I, I, I love, I wish there was more of the CIA psychic yeah. stuff. Yeah, that stuff, that really stuff was really interesting and really funny, and when he Pulls it on Britney Spears. It is hilarious. Yeah. As as someone who is somewhat in journalism, mm-hmm. like in music journalism, reading that for me is like particularly interesting. Yeah, just exactly. Being like, oh wow, like it must be pretty inspiring. Yeah, just like how is he reviewing people or interviewing people and being like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. And yeah, and start his whole thing his is he's yeah. so conversational, like he's. It almost feels like he doesn't even go in there with written questions that he's just making shit up. Yeah. On the spot.
1: Yeah, and at times you get the sense that he really is. That like he'll have some ideas, but then like yeah. he lets the person he's interviewing take it where it's gonna go, yeah. rather than be dictated by whatever questions he wrote. And he's like, what's so interesting about the book is that he, you know, another thing he said in this interview where he kind of very intentionally doesn't you know tries to avoid asking questions
0: about the music or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah, is really trying to get to the person. He mentions that at some point. In yeah the you're right he does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <coughs> that was cool. His Chuck Berry interview was really good. Yeah. Just Chuck Berry's a
1: crazy guy. I had no idea what a crazy guy <laughs> he
0: was. <laughs> well I think he's just like because he just talks about sex all the time right? Yeah. And I think that's But he's just, he just because... always like slamming the table and <laughs>
1: hollering and shit. Yeah. He's an old dude
0: you know. <laughs> yeah. What's great about about it is that it's sort of, within just those little, small interview segments, he's able to sort of capture that musician's personality, or yeah, that, exactly. that, I wouldn't say musician because they're not all musicians, but the, that artist's personality, like, to a deeper level than most interviewers would, and he captures it in such a small amount of time, and he does that for each person, like, he does such a good job of bringing out what their personality is, what their views are, and sort of going deeper into their personalities and, you know, why they're successful, what informs mm-hmm. their artwork. And then by doing that, he sort of gives you this, like, really great balloon of, like, what pop culture is in general. Yeah. Like, that's what I sort of see that book as, is this sort of overall statement of, like, this like these are the themes that occur in pop culture as a whole and continue mm-hmm. to occur through generations and through various artists and just will probably never go away yeah yeah i agree with that and i think that that's yeah that's a great book i, I think like i would just recommend that book to anyone who has any interest in pop culture yeah exactly because it's just like it's such a good look at just the minds that that drive the industry to yeah. an extent i guess unless you count pr people or whatever yeah you know his interview know with the white stripes is, is really cool the way that like that,
1: you know Now I think Jack White has really... And I was talking about this when we were yeah. talking about the Watchers a while ago, but you hadn't read the book yet. Yeah. And I thought was really interesting the way Jack White really kind of cultivated his public persona. But at that time, yeah, was he still super, had no idea. Yeah. And he was like... like Both of them were very guarded about their yeah. feelings on things and stuff. And like for him to kind of enter their world and kind of try to
0: examine why they were behaving the way they were is really cool. Yeah. I think it's just sort of... Uh... I think he's just gotten more comfortable being in the public eye over the yeah, years. Yeah, you know, totally. He seems more comfortable, and I think, <coughs> and I think going back to what I was talking about, I guess, last week, that sort of informs his solo album, of, like, mm-hmm. the solo album is really the time where it really feels like he's comfortable, like, sort of yeah. being himself, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, the time he was definitely worried about
1: the media and stuff, and yeah. now he's kind of learned how to handle it. Yeah. And he also has
0: nothing to worry about anymore, which I guess is part of it, he's kind of, he has that luxury. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. I guess I'm gonna move on to eating the dinosaur now. Sweet. I'm not sure if I want to start reading novels or keep reading rock journalism. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Well, I just- yesterday I took out-
1: I went to the library because I wanted to read something new. And they have Ace Frehley's <laughs> book there, so now reading that. pretty stuff. It's great, because like, I get to, you know, another new glimpse into Kiss from
0: its member who is actually the cool one. Yeah, I think, I think I'm think i still <coughs> in that mode. Like, all the fiction books I have also happen to be, like, really long. Yeah. Like, 500 to 1,000 pages. Well, all pages. the fiction books
1: I'm really interested in reading are really long, and that's a problem. Yeah. Like, I don't want to commit to, a, like, a 200-page book. The books I want to commit to are 500 to 1,000 pages. That's too
0: bad. Yeah. I mean, and I totally understand that, because that's... That's the situation that I am in right now, um, but yeah. So I guess I'll, I'll 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 do eating the dinosaur, and then actually my sister just got me a book called Musicophilia by Oliver Sacks, who is this? Uh, I, I guess he's a, I think he's a scientist or something. Hmm. But so he's taught like he wrote yeah. So it's a book about um, weird mental disabilities related to music. Cool. Yeah. That's an interesting so topic. yeah, that's that sounds like a really interesting book. Yeah. It's also kinda long, but so yeah. so we'll see. I'll start it at least and then we'll see what happens, I guess. Cool. Yeah, I'll keep the keep the music book theme running. Yeah. Yeah. Alright. Let's talk about what we've actually been listening to. Cool. That has been the New Stems book review. If I had a classical music new sample, stems. Did That's it, New Stems? Yeah, you did. I'm not in the New Stems. <laughs> yes, you are. You're our fucking I'm your announcer, You're but I can't have any
1: shows this month. Because of work. That's such a fucking bummer. I know it sucks. You, did, you,
0: did you hear Tal's plan? I did on, hear on Tal's plan. And I told
1: him that I'm not going to be able to make
0: it. <sighs> such a bummer. I know it sucks. It's such a bummer that this is the best idea. <coughs> I'm not going to go into it in case Jordan Yeah. listens, which he doesn't. Yeah, which he won't. Whatever. And it's right. not
1: going to happen, so it really. I guess. Well, no, but he al- we
0: also point. haven't given him his present yet, though. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right on. Alright. So, yeah, music. What have you been listening to?
1: Dog? Well, like I said, Chuck Lashford inspired inspired me to listen to a lot of hard rock, so I've been listening to a lot of 80s Kiss and went back and, you know, there was a peak period of 80s Kiss where as much as it still didn't compare at all to their 70s classic stuff, they were really solid to great pop metal band. And that period was for three albums, or four albums even, I'll, I'll be as bold as to say, which was Creatures of the Night in 81 to Asylum in 85. And particularly Animalize in 84, which gets a lot of hate from... From a lot of people but a lot of fans really like it and you know like chuck Klosterman makes that great joke you know what that actually wasn't in the book it was just it was another thing i read online uh, but he talks about animalizing the book but there's this sort of funny line where it says like how he's afraid that uh because he's so known as this guy who loves kiss that that's his whole identity and that that's kind of how people remember him <laughs> and that like on he's his like grave guy. Yeah, and that, yeah like on his grave it'll say chuck Klosterman he Preferred Animalize to Lick It Up, (laughs) 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 which was a great line. And Lick It Up was the album before Animalize, the first one where they took off their makeup, and is a much better album than Animalize. But what's cool about Animalize is that, uh, as much as Gene Simmons was no longer participating and his songs are all shitty, it has a really cool kind of like mid 80s heavy metal sound and has some of their heaviest songs. And I'm mostly saying that so that the Kiss song I post this week can be a pretty cool and heavy song from that period. But yeah, I've been listening to that stuff. It made me realize something really interesting, which is that I spend a lot more time listening to Kiss's crappy albums than the ones <laughs> I actually like. Like, it's it's really weird. They're the only band who I have this experience it's with. It's probably
0: because you reach that point in your fandom. It's almost like when you have an album, and it's like you listen to the album all the way through, And you like the album, but you you know a couple songs stand out to you, so you keep listening to those songs. But then those songs eventually aren't doing it for you, so So you listen to the other songs, and then you eventually like those, and then that happens, and then that keeps happening until you like the entire album. Yeah, well, I mean, it's sort of like that taken to a bigger level. I won't even
1: say I like all of Kisses less good albums though because I don't like all right. of them but I am familiar with almost every song on them now which is it's a weird position to be in like I'm kind of I am kind of bored of their like 70s stuff even though that's clearly their the greatest music they ever made but but like I'll keep listening to the disco album or like the really bad late 80s pop metal albums that aren't even metal anymore and uh I don't know it's just, just it's weird <laughs> um <laughs> And yeah, and, and on that note, so I also listened, did a re listen to Guns
0: N' Roses catalog. Yeah, because you know, Appetite <coughs> is not an album that I loved mm-hmm. ever. Like, there was maybe a time in grade nine where I liked Appetite. Yeah. But then reading Fargo Rock City made me want to go back and listen to Me too. To
1: it. I was listening to a lot of Guns N' Roses, and I, didn't, and I was I listening to, to a lot of Van Halen. Those yeah, are the sure. two bands, other than Kiss, who I was listening to a lot as I was reading that book, and who he was making me want to listen to. And you know, appetite for Destruction is a really good album, and Welcome to the Jungle is a beast of a song. Oh yeah,
0: well, you won't... Uh, obviously, uh, obviously yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, that's
1: just a given, but I just like, you know, because it's just one of those songs that's kind of so ingrained in all of our kind of collective minds that I forget, when I go back and listen to it, how much of an incredible hard rock, heavy metal song it really was mm-hmm. and that whole album is pretty cool and Lies is pretty cool especially the acoustic side and I never used to see the value in the first side of Lies but it is pretty rockin' stuff even though it's a fake live album which <laughs> is kind of dumb
0: yeah.
1: uh, and User Illusion 1 and 2 could have been so much
0: greater than, than the sum of their parts. But they're not. I don't think I have it in me to listen to those two albums. Yeah. I think I'm, like, like I, I, I want to listen to GNR Lies, and I want to do a re-listen. To the second to side of Lies is excellent. Yeah. But uh, I don't really have much interest in Use Your Illusion. Yeah,
1: User Illusion is really tough. Like, there's just so much crap and filler, but, like, some of it, you know, it also is home to some of the greatest moments of their yeah. career. Yeah, like uh, Civil War is a pretty
0: cool song. Yeah, Civil War is a good Coma's song. Coma's pretty great. Yeah, Coma's crazy and you know, awesome. Like, yeah,
1: it's got a few good rockin' songs, like, right next door to hell. It's got, like, some, like, bluesier numbers. It's got November Rain, which I love. Yeah, and I listened to Spaghetti Incident, which is kind of oh. cooler than I remembered it being, but it's still not great. And it made me think, why are all cover albums really bad? No. Like, not all cover albums out are feedback, really bad. Like, Feedback, which is alright, but still feedback, not that no, good. I,
0: I disagree. I think Feedback is good.
1: It's fun, it's good, sure. It is good. Sure, it's good, I agree. It's I not would, great. I would not try to say it is less than good, but... But I don't know. Like, it's just. I think it's because like that's not what you want to hear that band doing. Like, but I don't think it's just that because I think that you know, bands, a band like Guns N' Roses especially pulled off covers really, really well. The covers on their albums are really good. Well, the other but thing. Getty
0: incident. They're mostly mediocre. The other thing is that, um, you know, a lot of bands put out cover albums when they're already past their prime as a band. True. So it's almost like to have a covers album, you need to be somewhat inspired for that to be an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess a lot of bands release them because they're uninspired. Yeah. Or trying to be yeah, inspired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of which, <coughs> I mean, yeah, that kind of makes me want to go back and find some go- really good cover albums. Yeah. But like not, they can't be anthologies. They have to be like full right. cover albums by one band. Yeah. There's actually one pretty good cover album by Tokyo Police Club you might not okay. like it because I don't think you like Tokyo Blue no, Football that much. They did a thing for their tenth anniversary called Ten by Ten by Ten, where they recorded ten songs each from like one year of the first decade of the two thousands, and they did it over ten days and they, like they were streaming the entire process cool. on the internet for the whole for the whole thing. So they recorded a song each day, hmm. and uh, it's pretty cool. Like they do they do one song for each year. I can't remember most of the songs they do. They do Sweetness by Jimmy Eat World, though.
1: And that, has this, and that has a
0: singer from Passion Pit on it, too, which is pretty cool. Neat. Um, they do a couple other things. That, 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 that's a cool cover album. Yeah. I think that's a good one.
1: Right on. Yeah. What I will give credit to Spaghetti Incident for that I think is pretty cool is the kind of worlds it brings together and how it shows you, well, you already knew that uh, the kind of varied influences Guns N' Roses have, where they'll go from a hard rock song to a punk song, and it's really kind of like... You know, especially when it was released, which was around the time Grunge was totally breaking, and it's sort of like, you know, they were kind of almost a relic, but they still kind of had those punk influences and
0: stuff. Mm. That's pretty neat. Yeah, like, I guess, to the end of what, like, you know, I bet you if you took all of GNR's covers from other albums and just put them all into a playlist, it would be a lot better than Spaghetti yeah, Incident. yeah,
1: exactly. You know?
0: Marilyn Manson's another band, too, I always feel do
1: excellent covers, but probably would release a crappy covers album. Yep. Have you heard Marilyn Manson's new album yet? Not yet. I right plan on. to. I hear it's okay. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've read that it's supposed to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of hard to care because they're so past their prime. Yeah, the their drummer left, right?
0: <laughs> I Maybe don't even know if any also? original
1: members are left. Like yeah. John Five is not in the band anymore, I don't think, because yeah. he's busy with all his other projects. Should I get
0: into some of my stuff?
1: Yeah, sure. Okay. I mean, I may as well just talk about the last okay, Chuck yeah, Foster-inspired yeah, thing, yeah. which is that I decided to go back and check out Alice Cooper's late 80s comeback albums, Trash and Hey Stupid, mm-hmm. when he kind of like became, you know, did his pop metal thing. And I, I actually kind of enjoyed those albums. And part of it is that they reminded me of the fact that like I get really caught up in my love of Kiss and forget that Alice Cooper is my first love and he is actually my truest rock idol, god, whatever you wanna call Kisses it. Kiss
0: is your mistress, actually. Yeah, you're
1: right. Kiss yeah. is my mistress. And Alice is just the coolest and like, you know, he came back with like Desmond Child, who was kinda of, like the big hit maker for everybody wanting to come back. He produced Bon Jovi and and did Kiss's shitty Cynthia album and stuff. Mm-hmm. And what's cool about it is that they do they are full of kind of keyboards and like kind of like nothing too special kind of pop metal song structures and stuff but they because like Alice Cooper somehow brings a lot of his kind of edge to that sound so it kind of makes it a lot more listen listenable than most other pop metal and like and he made Hey Stupid which I think is the best pop metal song ever made bar none and I will I will say
0: that I here I wouldn't I'm saying it first I wouldn't be able to tell you <laughs> yeah but you it's, it's a really good tune
1: uh yeah it's interesting because like his career trajectory has just gone in so many different directions and like you know like in the late 70s he was kind of like really into new wave and stuff and making stuff that sounded really alternative but then he kind of wanted to come back in the 80s so he got progressively more into that kind of pop metal thing and made some pretty crappy albums before this Mm. comeback of mediocre albums (laughs) and then did some really good stuff from the 90s into the 2000s that i will always say is awesome and that's why i love alice cooper I was actually surprised that Chuck Klosterman never mentions Alice Cooper, because it seems like those comeback albums would have
0: been something he, he would have I been mean, into he, at the time. He does mention him, just not as, like, an influential person, I guess.
1: Hmm. I don't
0: remember. But I'll I'll take your word for it. Yeah. All right. So, Passion Pit came out with a new single this this week. Cool. How is it? It's that? called Take a Walk. It's pretty good. Uh, the singer is, like, singing, is not singing high anymore. Hmm. Which, I don't know, I liked I liked his insanely high vocals, personally. Yeah. But he also can never pull those vocals off live. Like, if you listen to him live, it, like, just... You know, he has no power, because that, like, he, he sings... He Are you saying it's all studio tracks? No, he can do it, but it's like, you know, in the studio, he's, like, always double-tracked. Right. So he's able to retain his power and stay in that register, but when he's live, it's like... He just doesn't have the same power mm-hmm. when he goes to his upper register because he's in falsetto the whole time, and it's kind of hard to keep that sometimes. Yeah, uh, and his voice is sort of not naturally high. So, but it, so he's singing a lower register here. But it's a really good, um, it's a really good song because it seems like they're they're keeping up on their promise of like their next album being really beautiful and like and doing yeah, the that, things that, that that's I like I Passion Pit doing. Yeah, and they totally do it, so that <laughs> like, makes me really excited for their next album. Sweet. Hopefully yeah. it won't be another case of single being better than the rest of the album. I hope not. I mean, this single, it wasn't good enough that I was like, oh my god, this is great. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like I don't know. Like, like Sleepyhead. Yeah, like Sleepyhead. Though Sleepyhead is not even the best song on their first album. Mm-hmm. It's um, the only one I know, I guess. Yeah, but that's a cool song, though, for sure. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of room for that album to be just good, So I'm I'm excited for that. Um, Somehow I don't know how this happened, but I got into a I got into a math rock phase that I'm kind of. Well, you've always been kind of into math rock. The idea of math rock has interested me. Yeah. And it's sort of more recently I've like I've sort of been on the fringes of it. It's such a a weird label in the first place, but I. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's a thing that makes sense. It is complex. It is a very identifiable sound also. Mm-hmm. Um but I think a lot, you know, people who don't know what you're talking about that would just call it Prague. Eh. It's a little bit more crazy and abrasive. It's kinda like Prague Punk, if anything. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. It all, it makes more sense because they're they're more likely to sort of like this shit is it's more hectic than Prague is. Like Prague yeah, has prog a lot punk. of time signature differences and stuff, but not to the level that some of these bands have. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least the classic prog rock kind of stuff. Yeah. But, uh, so I was listening, yeah, so I've always sort of been on the outer fringes of it, like, I, you know, I love Protest the Hero, who some people would probably call a math rock band, mm. which I would probably disagree with, but, yeah. you know, they have elements of that, certainly. Yeah. And, uh, kind you are really influenced by prog. Yeah. And I like Adabeezy Shank, who are sometimes referred to as a math rock band, but I would also kind of disagree with that. Mm. Um, and, like, and so I watch you From Afar, who also have the same label... I thought they're called the post-rock band. They sort of are. I, I guess. Don't know. I guess there's a Sometimes lot of the line is blurred. Band. Yeah, sometimes the line between that is blurred. <coughs> so, But I was getting really into uh, Terra Melos, who are sort of the third of that band. Like, you know, all those bands are on the same label. Uh, Terra Melos are not from Ireland. They're from America. They're from hmm. Sacramento, I think. And uh, they're sort of... They're definitely the craziest math rock band I've heard in terms of just, like, musicianship and... Pure insanity of their songs and where their songs go and how crazy they are and back and forth and just it's pretty crazy shit overall. Cool. And yeah, I, I've been I've been liking that a lot. My ears always have a hard time yeah. getting into that kind of. I sound. think you should listen to so. Okay, I so like crazy shit. The new but that one song just never because I think I it. talked about Untitled before, like their first album. I think I have talked about this. Mm, maybe uh, I don't know. The name so is familiar. It has like that album is their first album and it has eight. It doesn't have any actual songs. The album doesn't even have a name. Like it doesn't have any title on it. it doesn't. Have, it's not self-titled. It's just like, like on most search engines, it comes up as like question mark question mark question mark question mark, and so it's just referred to as untitled. Mm-hmm. Um, and like none of the songs have titles either. It's just melody melodies one through eight, and. The first seven of those <laughs> melodies are great, and that was what the original CD was. And then when they re-released it, they added on this eighth one, which is like a 20-minute-long noise track, which is not very good. Mm. So the first seven, though, are great, but their second album actually has vocals on it. It's not all instrumental, and they've changed from a four-piece to a three-piece, which you can imagine in a math rock band will change the sound pretty drastically. What, what mm-hmm. member left? Uh, one of the guitar players. So their second album's called Patagonian Rats. And it's really good. I would recommend it to you. Yeah, I think you I would feel like, like it I'm
1: more interested in in instrumentals than than in a like actual song. I mean, the vocals.
0: vocal never like gets. It never really feels like. Oh, here's the vocal melody. It's mm-hmm. sort of like the, the the vocals blend in sort of really well with everything else, and there's. It's sort of like mostly instrumental craziness with some vocals. Cool in there as well, and that album's actually probably a little better. Like it's it's. It's still hectic, but it's a little bit more reined in. Just a little bit enough that it sort of is like hits you a little harder. It's like a little more focused, even though it has like two nine minute long songs on it. Yeah, it's it's a really good record. I would I would recommend that one. I'll post up a song from it, I guess, and then you yeah. can decide from there if you wanna if you yeah. wanna continue on with it. So this morning, I couldn't think of what to listen to, and I was going through Oh, sorry, okay, so what actually happened was <laughs> Uh, me and Will from The Formalists are talking about starting a covers band Sick. so that we can like, you know, go play in bars and make some money from yeah. playing shows. So we were, we were thinking up covers and we sort of, we, we, we need to get a fourth member so, who can play second guitar and sing, because mm-hmm. none of us are particularly great singers, mm-hmm. but we, we have like a three piece band, I think we're having our first rehearsal on Friday. And we were sort of thinking of covers and we all, we have like, it's all stuff from the nineties right now. Nice. Like it's all like nineties pop rock kind of alternative rock kind of stuff. So we have our first couple songs that we want to learn and that we're, we're going to work out and stuff. And so we had five songs and sort of Will and the other guy had two each and I had only picked one. So they were like, okay, well you get another song if you want to pick another one. And I was like, okay. And I was thinking that a Nirvana song would be good since they're a three piece and were a three piece. So that would mm-hmm. work, would work out pretty, pretty well. So I was looking through my Nirvana, and uh, I don't know, I decided on Lithium. Nice. Yeah. it's a good call. It's gotta yeah. be that, or Smells Like Teen Spirit, basically, or In Bloom. Or, or In Bloom, or Come As You Are. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Or, I guess. or even Heart Shaped Box, you could pull for Yeah, You could pull that, for it. That's a lot iffier. You could even go with Rape Me, Rape Me's on the radio all the time. Yeah. Or About a Girl. All that, songs you could go for. Yeah. All songs but, you could do. But I think that
1: list is in descending order of what people in bars would want to hear. I think "Come as You Are" and "In Bloom" would be before "Lithium" on that list. Really? Yeah. Maybe, but I don't know. like "Lithium." Just has that chorus, you know, that'll make you think of the yeah, '90s. Yeah. No, still,
0: and make everybody shout along. The other ones with their are beers. the big, no, the other two are the bigger singles for sure. Anyways, so that sort of put me in a Nirvana mood. Nice. So I started listening to some in you utero. Were in a state of Nirvana. I was <laughs> indeed. So I started listening to uh, my go-to Nirvana album, which is obviously in utero. Obviously. And that was a great time. Mm-hmm. having a great time listening to that record. Still one of my favorite albums of all time. Yeah. One of my one of my favorite produced albums of all time, too. Just yeah. like, man, it sounds real it's good. so fucking heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's great. And noisy. Yeah, Steve Albini did a great job there. Yeah. But I also sort of was scrolling through, and I was like, I've never really given Bleach a good listen. Or, like, I have, but I sort of dismiss it. Yeah, you always dismiss it because of the lack of Dave Grohl, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was always a big thing for me. And I still think that's a factor. But that is a cool album. Yeah, it's a great that album. really good. Like, I really like that, that album. That album is a true crossover record. Like, there are songs in yeah. that album that are fucking metal. Yeah. Like, straight up totally. metal. Which well, is... that, that
1: album is a really good snapshot of what the early
0: grunge scene
1: was all about.
0: Yeah. It's, was... it's just really funny how grunge is sort of like the death of metal. But a lot of those bands... Like, Alice in Chains are a metal All album. right, yeah. To- and up. Soundgarden. I... Sam Sam early stuff was straight-up metal, even more than Alice and
1: James, because they have so much of that Sabbath-Zeppelin kind of influence. Yeah, that's true. But, like... Well, Chuck Klosterman addresses that in his book, and it makes perfect sense. You know, and it goes back to the idea of genre as construction. Grunge didn't kill metal as a style of music. It killed it in its mainstream kind of form, and, like, it, it killed the image of metal. Right, okay. That makes... yeah. By musically kind of turning heavy music into... Bringing it into this whole new kind of generation of people, even if there are people who didn't actually consider it to be heavy
0: metal music. Yeah. Yeah, that album's really cool. Like, like "Blue," the song. Yeah. Is that is a metal riff?
1: Yeah. And it's full it's of metal riffs. Really good. Negative creep is some crazy punk metal. Yeah. About a Girl is maybe the best pop song they ever
0: made. Yeah, it's it's it always it always surprises me that About a Girl is on that album. Yeah, it's it's really kind of a black sheep on there. Yeah, it's kind of this like weird kind of country ballad.
1: Mm, that's an interesting almost. way of looking at it. I almost I always kind of looked at it as like a surfy kind of song.
0: There's something about just the <coughs> guitar tone that sort of gives me this sort of western-y westerny Yeah, kind it's of vibe. more country
1: than surf. There's it's always something about the melody. For, like for me it's not
0: being. it's not about it's not that it makes me think of country, it's that it makes me think of western, which mm. I immediately equate with country. Yeah. I like the uh like the beginning of Love Buzz, that bass
1: line's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's Bow- so good.
0: I still I still think that that album could have used some Dave Grohl on it. But I also like the way that kind of
1: I don't know, the drummer just plays really kind of simple stuff, and it's pretty effective. Like, it works with the stuff. Dave Gold plays the, simple play. stuff, though. I mean, other, he does, I guess, like, but he has a much Nirvana. more personality. Yeah, he
0: does. He this definitely does. feels
1: more like, you know, just like some He's kind of He's just sort like, of like, like a drummer. drummer.
0: I guess it, it does sort of <coughs> add to the sloppiness of that album. Exactly. But I still feel... Like, there are very few albums where I feel like if you took out a musician and replaced it with someone they would be better. Like some people I know, like Jordan will, for example, say that he loves System of Down, but he does not like he does not think Darren is a good guitar player. Right. Which I always think is bullshit. Yeah. Um especially because he writes all the songs. So you mm-hmm. can't like System of Down without liking him. Yeah. Because that is closely connected to his guitar work, which is like the only way you can say that is if do you think if you took Darren out and replaced him with someone else, someone else would be better. And Zach the answer, Wild. <laughs> yeah, the obvious answer to that is no. Yeah. And there, you know, even if there's a drummer that I don't particularly like or that I don't think is great on an album, there are very few times where I'll say that he should, that someone else would be a better fit because... Nirvana and Rush. Yeah, basically, it's exactly Nirvana and Rush. And those were guys who found their better fit yeah. with their next album. Yeah. And even, even, even for Rush, like... Those early songs don't really need Neil Peart in them. Yeah, it's true. They're not. They're not necessary. Yeah. They're too. they those songs are simple enough that Neil Peart is not necessary in that. But equation. he would have just made them more rocky, as he yeah. did when they played them live. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, but this is this is one of those albums where where I, where I definitely feel like it would have been better with Dave Grohl because you know keep the same production and whatever. Yeah. Just put Dave Grohl in the equation. Yeah. And it just kind of. is. I mean, at least you get to kind of hear what that would have sounded like when you listen to the songs live. Yeah, a little bit.
1: And you one on the muddy
0: banks of the Wiska? Uh, I did at one point. Mm. I think I don't anymore. You should. You should get it back. It's a really good live album. Yeah, that was that was never an album I really listened to. Like, it's, I, it's I, the, the Nirvana album it. I listened to least, but I still <laughs> like it a lot. Yeah, fair enough. <coughs> um, okay. Do you want to talk about cuz I have a I have one more album to talk about and I think you do as well. Yeah.
1: I think we have the same thing to talk about sir. Do we? Yeah. Okay, so so last week I went to see American <laughs> Reunion. Oh, how yeah. was that? I enjoyed it. It wasn't like okay. look, I I there's this weird thing like I've and I think a lot of people kind of don't really agree with me on this. Uh, but I've just been feeling like every time I go to the theater to see a comedy, it's not funny. And there are unfunny comedies that I like that I liked when I saw them in theaters, and unfunny comedies that, like The Hangover Two, that I just loathe.
0: What were the ones that you liked, other than what I'm assuming? Um,
1: I didn't find Twenty One Jump Street very funny, but I enjoyed it. Oh, I
0: like that movie a lot.
1: Yeah, um, I can't think of any other examples, but really. but I think there were some others. And American Reunion kind of followed suit in movies that weren't very funny, but I still really enjoyed. But what it had going for it more than anything was the obvious nostalgia factor. And it made me realize that American Pie was a much more important movie to me than I ever realized. Mm. Like, that was a really, that was a cornerstone of, of high school, and I would never thought about it that way until I saw American Reunion.
0: Well, that's, see, that's interesting, because that movie didn't come out when we were in high school. The right, movie it came, came out when we, when we were in, like, grade But I didn't six. see it until
1: high school, so it still felt like it was right. part of my high school experience. Mm-hmm. It was still relevant to us in high school. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it was just kind of fun, and got, you got to have those characters back and stuff. And what it gave me was this, like, sense of nostalgia for the 90s and i just kind of needed things that would remind me of the 90s and that was how i wound up listening to every blink 182 album more than every once single in the last one? yeah every one and uh, what i love about all their albums up until self-titled which is really kind of So you boring, didn't, you didn't album, listen to
0: Neighborhoods not yet no i like self-titled a lot and i always have
1: i i have a feeling it's going to grow on me but it's just too serious and like and just didn't have the same energy every other album they made before had. But what all those albums before it have going for them is that you can put on almost any song from those albums and I'll feel like I'm in
0: a nineties movie. Yeah, those and that's albums, awesome. There's something there's something about the way Blink One Eighty Two make their songs like there's something very sort of twinkly. Yeah. about they their songs. You know, there's something they very galvanize the nineties yeah, teenager sort experience. sort of like romantic and yeah. It, it sort of captures the teenage experience, yeah. I think, better than almost any other pop yeah, pop. Yeah, it video. totally does, and kind of personifies pop oh, pop. Yeah, punk. just in in the sound of, like, kind of being an idiot, Yeah. and, like, having heartbreak, but also kind of being okay with it, and kind of being lonely, but also hanging with your friends all the yeah, time. Yeah, and having fun, yeah. and occasionally getting the girl. Yeah. Or realizing that the girl tries too hard, yeah. you know, meet her. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's 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 a really good it's a really, really they're they're a good band. I yeah. like them a lot. It's
1: really sugary, but still like in the yeah. earliest i at least has a sense of like actually feeling like they were influenced by punk bands.
0: No, I've never listened to their first like I've never listened to their pre Travis Barker albums. Like I Not, not have, even Dude Ranch? I have Dude Ranch, but I've never listened Dude to it. Dude Ranch ever. is really good. I've listened to it like I've 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 sort of scrounged around in it a little bit. Yeah. Damn it's on that album.
1: So yeah, Damage and, on that so album, and uh, First Date's on that album. No, not First no, Date. But there's like another, Josie. Josie's the other kind of like song that I remember from high school. Are you sure
0: Josie isn't on Enema?
1: No, Josie's on, uh, look it up to be sure. I'm, I'm quite sure it's on Dude Ranch. See, Feeling This is a really good song, and the rest of that album doesn't sound anything like Feeling This, and that's part of my problem with you it. Might,
0: it might be an album that you want to sort of go, go to a couple songs in it. Like, I think Feeling This is great. Obvious is a really good song also.
1: See, I mean, Obvious has the weird thing that a lot of that album has where it kind of sounds like it's just a bit too heavy and serious to sound like good Blink. I think Always is a really good song as well. There's one... Like, the Fallen interlude is really neat. Like, I think that song is really cool because it's just, like, a hip-hop track without vocals and stuff. Yeah. And that's a really interesting thing to have in their canon. Oh, I guess you're right, because I don't have... Yeah, yeah, either, that's what but... I thought. Yeah. Um, and it has... Like, there's one song I was like, oh my god, he sounds just like Robert Smith, and then I realized <laughs> that Robert Smith is on that track.
0: <laughs> uh, I was like, that makes a lot more sense. That's funny. But yeah, yeah, so, so I was listening to... Uh, I mean, it was, it was last night, and I don't remember... Where this Blink-182 thing came up, I'm trying You would just have the same wavelength as me. I guess so. I'm That's just, literally
1: all I've been listening to when not listening to Hard Rock. I was just trying to pinpoint,
0: like, how did that happen? I don't... I have I've, no idea. Something happened where I ended up reading something... Like, I don't go on Reddit. I'm not a person who goes on Reddit. I'm not a Red, Redditor or whatever they call themselves. <laughs> but... uh that's cute. S- some, somehow I was directed to an Ask Me Anything with, oh, that's what happened. Something Someone on Facebook sent an Ask Me Anything. Do you know what Ask Me Anything is? No. It's a thing. It happens quite often on Reddit where what people do is like celebrities will log on to Reddit mm-hmm. and they'll sort of start a, a, a thread where people can just ask them whatever questions they want and mm-hmm. they'll just answer them. It's a really great thing and I've yeah, been directed cool. to quite a few pretty cool ones. So there was one for Kevin Smith. And somehow that led, like, I was reading through that one, and somehow that one led me to a Mark Hoppus one. Hmm. And then I was like, yeah, I should go listen to Blink-182. And yeah. it, f- what it started it was that I was, <coughs> he said something about neighborhoods, because he was talking about this, this was post-reunion, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I should go back and listen to neighborhoods. So I was listening to neighborhoods for a little while, and then I just kind of got bored, and I was like, fuck that. I'm listen to Enema of the State. Yeah. <laughs> And by the state's it's really cool
1: because it's really where they perfected their sound. Like yeah, nothing before or after. I mean, that's quite their breakout that
0: album. It's you yeah, know, it's exactly what happened.
1: <coughs> yeah, like it's when Travis Barker came on board and they just it really perfected their pop punk sound.
0: Yeah, because he gives them has a certain song. It's also like you know that album's a little bit more produced. It's a little yeah, like, you know it totally feels like very polished. I'm not sure if it's their major label debut, but it feels like it is. Yeah, I think it might be. Yeah, it's either that or Dude Ranch. It's probably that though. Yeah. Um and Travis Barker just brings a, like a real tightness to that band. Yeah. The, he brings a certain Yeah, their tap-
1: first drummer was really He's fun. Yeah, In fact yeah, like yeah.
0: he made them yeah.
1: if anything, he kinda sounded more like a punk drummer. And, and he is. Yeah, clearly. exactly.
0: But yeah, Travis, Travis Barker, Barker is, is really influenced by like, you know, hip hop beats yeah, and, and exactly. uh, Latin stuff and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he he sort of sets them off to another level and I think he also gives them he also makes them musically a little bit more um, Varied. Not not even varied, but a little bit <coughs> easier to defend, I guess, as a band like Blink One Eighty Two and pop punk in general is sort of seen as similar to like metal in the eighties. Is sort of seen as this sort of genre for like stupid people. Yeah, totally. Um, and I think Travis Barker does give them a certain sophistication, a certain musically. thing where you can yeah, musically where you can be a, an intellectual person and like totally be okay with and that perception is totally bullshit anyway yeah it's all bullshit it's all bullshit yeah. as
1: Chuck Klossman improved.
0: yeah uh, I guess that's what he proves more than anything even if that isn't what he set out to prove yeah so <coughs> yeah that sounds s- great yeah. I've always been more partial to Take Off Your Pants and Jacket than Enema right on
1: yeah I like that album too but I definitely it, like Enema is the one that I prefer
0: yeah I think a lot of people would say that
1: yeah probably,
0: probably. but I think uh, Take Off Your Pants and Jacket just to, I just think it has better songs on it it's kind of the same album. Yeah. But with better songs. Yeah. Take up pants and jacket's very much enema part two. Mm-hmm. It even starts off with And those are
1: both really <laughs> funny album titles. Yeah.
0: It even starts off with like <coughs> the Anthem Part Two. Yeah. It's exactly. A continuation from Exactly, anthem. it's explicitly yeah continuing. Yeah. So I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's kind of yeah. cool that Enema ends with Anthem and
0: Take Up a Pant starts with Anthem too. Yeah. And if you set them up side by side, they sort of seg into each other. Hmm. Not really, but you can sort of see, like, because it, it sort of like, ends, Adventure. and then it's like, and it's cool. Huh. That's cool. It's good. Yeah, Enema is just so full of sweet
1: songs. But like, all their albums were, like, that's they're just... Like I said, man. Like it just, it just always feels like I'm in a '90s teen movie. Yeah. And those are, around, those are, and those are ones that you can put on and just like America, sort of.
0: I had like two Blink songs. You just sort of like I'm in the mood for a Blink One Eighty Two vibe, and you put on a Blink One Eighty Two album, and your vibe is satisfied. Yeah. And that's all, and that's cool. It's great. Yeah.
1: Well, like now I'm kind of out of that vibe, but for those few days, like it was just kind of all I was listening to. I was just listening to all their albums over and over again, much like I did with Iron Maiden for a few days of mm-hmm. you know a month or two or three
0: ago. Yeah. All right. Time for some news. You were just in the bathroom. Shut up.
1: (laughs) I actually want to talk about Blink a bit more because I was thinking while you were gone about how I think we have very kind of, like you grew up with Blink, right? Like they were an important band to you as a kid.
0: Not so, no, not really. No? Uh, like, Semi, I never had any of their albums. Mm. They were, like, my sisters really liked Blink. They were more into Blink than I was. I was more, like, I was really into Sum 41, and I was really mm. into Green Day. But I was never, that, I wasn't really that into Blink-182 until high school, yeah. when Bornstein showed me Take Off Her Pants and Jacket, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh my god! Yeah. Yeah, uh, actually, that's not true. I was into the self titled for pretty for a while, actually. For, I guess I was kind of into Blink when Yeah. But not as much as I was, like, not nearly as much as I was into Green Day.
1: Yeah. Well, in high school, I was really into Green Day and Stuff 41, but I never got into Blink until, you know, like, college and stuff. And I think, uh, I don't know, it's interesting the way it kind of, like, it seems like it is a band who kind of, like, you know, 10 year olds who didn't know what punk rock was would be into at the time and stuff. And they were kind of, like, around that same time, they were kind of, uh,. You know, in the way that kind of like Eminem was this rap artist who cross over to the same kind of people who might have been listening to the boy bands and stuff, Blink 182 were that for pop punk. <laughs> but I think what I like about them is that I'm st- you know, as immature as they were and stuff, and as they were kind of able to cross over, you know, to all those audiences.
0: I mean, most pop punk bands did that though in the 90s.
1: Not, I don't think in the same way Blink did though. Like, 741 also, but Blink with
0: a Blink. I big mean, Green body. Day pretty obviously did that.
1: I don't know if Green Day did in the same way, though. They did. Like, I don't know if Green Day really crossed over in in such a big way until American Idiot. Like, obviously, Dookie was a crossover, but yeah. not in the same kind of way
0: as Blink-182. I think they didn't have... No, 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 it was. Like, Dookie was a huge thing when it came Dookie out. Dookie
1: was huge, but that's the thing. Like, I think Dookie appealed, you know, to people who were listening to grunge at the time rather no, than No, man, Basket like. Case was one of the
0: biggest singles of the 90s. Sure. So it smells like teen spirit. Yeah. But that's what I mean. You see what I mean? The equation right
1: there. You just proved my point. I just think it would have been less likely that those people would have been listening to Take That or whatever was in at the time. What? Whereas in the late 90s, people listening to NSYNC were listening to Blink-182. But people listening to Nirvana and Green Day probably weren't listening to Take That. That's what I'm trying to say. That's
0: because Take That wasn't a big band. (laughs) That I don't kids. know who that even is. They were
1: they were just a boy band <laughs> well, before big, and singing members, that's the but they were really big j- in the early nineties. Like, I've never heard of them <laughs> because they're kind of archaic now. Because but you like, would grow up with
0: them. No, but like my sisters never listened to them, and they would have grown up. Maybe with them. take
1: that from the eighties, regardless. I think yeah,
0: that's what I mean. Like the popular music in the early nineties was not pop music; mm-hmm. it was grunge, and to a lesser extent. Punk. Yeah, I guess so, I guess so. The, like, the listening to Nirvana and Green Day together thing that you were putting together is the equivalent of listening to Blink-182 and to NSYNC at the same time. Because n- like because grunge was the dominant form of music in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. I don't know, it just, it, but it seems like it's a whole different kind of thing. But it's not, that's just what it was. That's just what the popular consciousness was into at the time.
1: I guess so. Regardless of all, I really, the only point I really wanted to make is that, is that it's like, I like how I can still kind of relate to a lot of what they're saying, you know, with their kind of like simple sort of prepubescent messages on these kind of things. But, you know, they still feel like somehow they're such a college band, you know, like they have a song like Going Away to College. And, yeah. And they, like, I, you know, relate them to like American Pie, which is kind of a college movie and stuff. Well, and they're they- in that movie, right? <laughs> I don't know if they're in the movie. I feel like they, I feel are. like they. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like when I yeah, say yeah. they're in it, I mean. Okay. Like yeah. Yeah. There's like two songs by them. <laughs> but I guess I guess where I'm, what I'm kind of really trying to express when I'm talking about you know the way kind of like they cross over and stuff is that you know I kind of I like to kind of try to put into perspective what points I kind of got into different things and I kind of recognize you know a few very significant things like. Alice Cooper that was the beginning of my journey into rock music and then kind of like Rush Chronicles and Dark Side of the Moon were like the first two albums that I bought myself not really important in my development and then Kid Rock kind of developed a point where I began to open my mind to a lot of different things or System of a Down even before them but then Kid Rock kind of like got me into you know, moved me on to Beastie Boys and Run DMC and subsequently NWA and Dr. Dre and really changed my whole perspective but what I don't realize is that I was primed for a lot of that because back when the only CDs I listened to were S Club and NSYNC and stuff, there were still, like, songs I downloaded, like, Without Me by Eminem was a song I really liked, and All the Small Things by Blink-182 was a song I really liked, and In the End by Linkin Park was a song that I really liked. And I kind of, I guess I glaze over that in thinking that, like, I only listened to pop music, like, boy bands and stuff then, and then, like, I developed into, like, these other things and into these other things, but I forget that kind of, like, there were always, like, songs that I got into before I kind of actually understood anything about music and stuff. And, I don't know, that's just really interesting to me because it's something I've been thinking about lately, especially because of all the mainstream crap I hear at work. Yeah. It just makes me think about that.
0: Do you hear, so you are not... Like I heard in
1: the end, for instance, the other day, that's which is what so makes so Do you it. are you Are you radio
0: listening at work now? It's or? not radio. I've been thinking a lot about this <laughs>
1: because, <laughs> because, like, all it proves is that the wheels are, you know... Everything is in motion as it's supposed to be, but it's really strange to me, and I can't quite put my finger on it, because there's nothing wrong with listening to what, you know, top 40 and stuff, yeah. nothing inherently wrong with it at least, but there's something that doesn't quite sit right with me, that people hear these songs on the radio, and that's what they go home and download, and that's what their iPod is full of, so people, certain people's iPods on Shuffle sound exactly the same as whatever I'd hear if I go and just listen to whatever's on the radio. Yeah. And there's something really bizarre about that too. Yeah, I can, I can totally see that. And so I'm not listening to the radio, but half the time it feels like I am because that's what's on people's iPods.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's totally <laughs> weird. It's like, don't you hear the song enough? Can't you just... Exactly. Can you just, can't you just listen to the radio? Yeah. If you want to hear the song, it's great. But, I mean... It's all on the radio. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's strange.
1: Like, I want to figure out what... Because I think that on a basic level, it's nothing more than an elitist attitude, but I think there's something deeper there. But there
0: is something, because there's an aspect of, <laughs> you know, these are the people, these are sort of, uh, we were talking about this in like, first year university, one of my classes, of like, there are a couple people in the the music industry, or in any, any, any industry, who are like, the gatekeepers, and they are sort of really controlling like, what is coming in and what is going out. Yeah. And, you know, when you have people who are worn down for 15 years of like, this is what's on the radio, this is, like, music. This is what like, you listen like, no, to. Yeah, no, it's not even this what you listen to, it's this is music. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's and, and a lot think, of people, yeah, strange. and so a lot of people just hear that and, <laughs> and they sort of get into these listening patterns. Mm-hmm. and. Yeah, like, that's a trap that I easily could have fell into, but yeah. for whatever reason kind of didn't. Well, yeah, I think, I
1: think... Or that any of us could have, I guess.
0: Yeah, there's... It's, it's a really weird thing because it's this weird versatility that people... With the sort of mainstream thing that that listen to mainstream music, like there's this versatility that they have in their listening by listening to pop music and all the different types of stuff that comes out just on the radio. Like, you know, it's radio is kind of homogenized, but it within right the, where they can the, go from a punk song to a hip hop song. Quote yeah, unquote. quote unquote. Yeah, but they also have this closed mindedness because things are not on the radio. Mm-hmm. It's really odd. It's it's strange. It's like this, yeah. I don't know. I don't really get it. I don't really get it.
1: Sometimes. And this one guy's iPod is full of kind of modern radio rock or whatever. And I've started to realize what a strange sound that is. Uh, because. What's like, on there? Yeah, I, I'm curious. You know, it's stuff that sounds like nickelback and like post grunge and stuff, but you know, more than that, it's stuff that sounds like the kind of music you hear in like WWE video games, <laughs> or I imagine any sports games. And I have a lot of reasons why this music is strange because, you know, the guy who has this on his iPod is kind of is a sports guy. So I feel where he maybe gets a lot of music from is yeah. fact that it is what you hear in sporting events and stuff. And and this is strange to me on a lot of levels, uh, which I'll try to put as, as kind of concisely as possible, which is that a lot of them have like a kind of heavy riff, sometimes even sounding like a more traditional kind of metal riff, and I'll hear it and be like, whoa, cool, this is actually kind of heavy stuff right on. But then it'll go into the verse, and it'll sound like mopey kind of post-grunge music. And why this is strange to me more than anything is that this isn't the kind of music sports people should be listening to. Like, it's these riffs that kind of have this, uh, you know, almost kind of classic hard rock kind of like, you know, maybe sort of party or maybe kind of, you know, like stuff that like a macho guy who doesn't need to think that much about a lot of things and is just kind of looking for a good time and kind yeah. of like listen to music that reflects a certain kind of, you know, like kiss have a bravado. That's the word I'm looking for. And that's that kind of spirit right. that comes through in those riffs. <coughs> But then there's that kind of really mopey, depressed verses that doesn't, you know, I, that makes me think that those kind of people who listen to it aren't thinking about it at all. Because if they were, why would that be what they choose to listen to unless it actually is unconsciously
0: relating to depression? I will tell you, you was Like, how much of a, like, is he like a real sports guy? This um, guy. You know, he's not like a dick about no, it. No, no, it's, no. no. Like, but like, like, he watches, nice like he watches a lot of sports. Yes, he does sports guy. Watches <laughs> a lot of sports. <laughs> maybe, Sorry to bring something that didn't need to be there. Yeah, Yes, he's like, a big sports guy. Like maybe like <laughs> plays video games but only plays sports video games. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Um Sports video games and like college. I games, think a lot of that A lot of that is probably <laughs> because you have to think of because they're not there for the verses, they're there for the choruses. Mm-hmm. And the reason why the verses have to be mopey is so that when the chorus comes in, you're like, oh shit, yeah! And it pumps you up. And um, and you have to think of like how much at sporting events or in sporting video games, how much of a song do you hear in those games? Right, I guess. The not a lot. Right. You hear 30 rips. seconds and you hear the choruses. Yeah. That's what
1: that's they're really there for. That's really interesting.
0: And so, that's what he, he probably, and he probably doesn't think about this so much, but... You know, those verses, they don't matter to him. It's like, oh, whatever. What, what he's there is, like, the chorus. It's for the chorus. It's so weird that that whole kind of, like, assembly line, like,
1: assembly line, mopey kind of sound is really weird. And clearly very, very much coming out of that kind of post grunge aesthetic. <clears throat> and what, another thing it made me think of, though, is Chuck Klossman in Fargo Rock City, you know, toward the end he gets into the 90s, he's talking about 90s hard rock and stuff, and he says something really interesting about the band Korn, which is that they kind of represented this new this shift in kind of hard rock listeners' views, which is that they were kind of this rock band who, you know, had nothing to do with any of the rock who, that came before them and that, that kind of paid no respect to... to kind of rock influences Mm -hmm. and stuff and, like, words about that. And in that, they became this band who sounded like nothing else before them. And while I don't entirely agree with that, I think it's a really interesting way of looking at it. And I think that it explains all these kind of modern hard rock bands where, in some way, they have internalized the rock music of the 70s and 80s and the grunge of the 90s, but they don't really pay any reverence to it and just kind of, you know are emulating the whatever is kind of going on at the time more than anything that came before them and uh, and I just think that's how they can and of course now it's sort of that they're so corporate rock that like they're just doing whatever they're being told yeah. to do anyway but I think it's interesting that they have kind of internalized especially because so many of those bands now are kind of the cock rock bands and a lot of them have shifted their subject matter from from those kind of mopey topics to just kind of you know, partying and chicks and stuff. Yeah. But they have done it without losing that still kind of, like, droll, depressed sound in their music. And I think that's really interesting, and that kind of captures that whole essence of those kind of sp- arena rock, modern arena rock bands, mm. and how they have maybe internalized the classic rock bands plus the grunge bands, yeah. but do it in this modern, corporate, dull,
0: droll way. So, <coughs> so like... You said it's all modern stuff. Now, when you say it's modern stuff, what is your, like, year range? I, I guess assume you it's bands really from the know. last decade. But Yeah, but, like, I wonder because, you know, if you look at the charts now, there are very few rock bands. Right, but there's still the all modern of them, rock charts. And that all of them r- are, like, you know, Nickelback. Mm-hmm. Like, I actually looked at a MuchMusic one today because I needed to for a review for something. And it was, like, <laughs> there, was, there was, you know, I looked at, like, their countdown. And it was like there was one Nickelback song. I think there was a song by the Used on it, hmm. uh, and that was kind of all that I saw. That was that was like yeah, rock. Music. I think they don't really crack
1: actual top forty, but they're still the rock charts, and that's where they are.
0: Right.
1: It's interesting that you mentioned the Used actually, because one thing makes me realize, you know, other things that show up on his shuffle in between those bands are the kind of emo pop bands. And they become a, fre- a breath of fresh air compared to all those other bands. Because when those bands all take themselves so seriously, they're just such a bummer. What's kind of nice about a band like Panic! The Discord, Follow Boy is that
0: they <laughs> still have a sense of humor. Except none of those bands exist. <coughs> like, none of those bands are... Like, they are not popular anymore. Yeah, you know? yeah, like, Their yeah. time has passed at this point. For sure, for sure. They're kind of
1: from, like, the last few years or whatever. But, but they're you know, they still... Are, you know, I guess all those kind of bands probably are from the last few years. And, like, those bands, you know, their music is still kind of serious, but it kind of... They don't take it that seriously, necessarily. And that's what I like about it. And, like, they have all their ridiculous long song
0: titles and stuff. and Like, they're just... There's a sense of irony. I like, I like long song <coughs> titles. Me too. I, yeah. I, like I don't them. like long album titles. Long True. song titles are cool with me. Yeah. Uh, I, there's, there's kind of a sense of tongue-in-cheek to them that you don't
1: hear in the other corporate rock bands. And so, like, as much as their songs are still kind of annoying, it, it still represents, uh, you know,
0: a breath of fresh air, I guess. I've been kind of meaning to get into Fallout Boy why (laughs) i don't know something about something about them like draws me to them and i don't like their singer at all yeah but i don't know there's something that makes me feel like i would like fallout boy if you don't like i don't really like
1: any other emo pop bands i guess brand new do it way better than anybody else probably but but,
0: like maybe i just (laughs) i mean i like like, maybe i I just want it to be like totally fucking saccharine saccharine i don't know i don't know what that word is. it's like sugary oh okay yeah Yeah, yeah. Like, I just want it to be, like, the bullshittiest (laughs) bullshit. Yeah. I know what you mean. You know what I mean? But I think a
1: lot of that comes down to, like, a lot of those kinds of things being much more enjoyable in theory than in listening to. And that's another, like, I have to keep, you know, Chuck Klossman just said so many things that kind of touched me in that book. And I think one thing he said that was really cool to me was, like you know, ninety percent of rock and roll to him is a lot more interesting to talk about than to actually listen to. Yeah. And I think that's what that this kind of is is kinda like it's a lot more interesting in our heads than you know, we don't actually want to listen to it. Even
0: coming off of that book I was like, Yeah, I wanna be into hard rock. Yeah. I wanna go be into hard rock so I can interact with this book and, and have this book mean something to me. Yeah. And then I just couldn't do it. Yeah, like it must have, <laughs> you know? what it
1: meant to you was so different than what it meant to yeah. me. And I think you were more its intended audience than I was because yeah, he didn't probably. have to sell me it. Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: <coughs> Alright, we should get into some news because we're, we're running out of time and there are two massive news stories. There's another album I kind of want to talk about but oh, I can shit. save it. I'll save it. I'll talk about it next week. Yeah, because next week save I'll have it. more to talk about it anyway. Yeah, you should you should save it because because these are these are two really big. News Actually, stories have you ever listened to do. Blue
1: by Joni Mitchell?
0: No. Because I've Here's like the- I
1: listened to that album yesterday on the bus and I listened and I was listening to it on the way over here today and like, I've listened to it many times. I've been into it for a long time, but whenever I listen to it again, I just remember that it's just like, just the, the best album ever made. Anyway, let's move on. Next. Yeah.
0: Okay. <laughs> um, I'll talk about Blue some more next. So week. So which one which one do you want to start with? I guess we should start with okay. So last week we were talking about uh, Paul's boutique, and we recorded that episode before this happened. So we released that episode, and then there was no acknowledgement of this, which I probably acknowledged it. If you, you, did, I on, uh, sorry, yeah. you did. I saw. I saw on the link. You did. Yeah. Um, but in the episode there wasn't, which was probably pretty <laughs> weird for anyone who listened to that and, and sort of knew what was going on, but, yeah. uh, a member of the Beastie Boys, Adam, what, how do you pronounce his Adam last name? Adam Yauk. Yauk? Or Yauk, a lot of people seem to be pronouncing it different ways. Right on. Um, so, his stage name was known <laughs> as MCA, or what was the other one that he goes by? Something Hornblower? Well, his, uh, his, uh,
1: his pseudonym as a like his persona as a filmmaker was Nathaniel hornblower (laughs)
0: right um so yeah he has uh rather unfortunately passed away man when you told me that
1: news like because you i came while you guys were at gym and you just like told me and i was like i was actually kind of shocked
0: yeah well i figured you had heard about it already because like you know i guess i was at work so i didn't i I had no way of hearing about it yeah so he had a uh, three-year battle with throat cancer. Yeah. And it seemed like, you know, when he, when it, when it happened, it, like, he thought it wasn't going to be a problem and, like, mm-hmm. it seemed like it was going to be good and then it wasn't. Yeah. Unfortunately. What it made me
1: think about, actually, like, a while ago when somebody passed away, I don't remember who, but we were talking about the fact that kind of this idea of how, like, you know, Celebrities or artists dying has never really affected me personally. Yeah. Maybe like feel anything the way that like people felt, you know, when John Lennon died. And in some way, MCA is kind of like my John Lennon. Like his passing actually like affected me. Like it kind of affected my mood, and it kind of yeah. it was on my mind a lot. And when it, you know, there's been a lot of tributes to him on TV and stuff. Yeah. I like, always stop and watch them and like realize how much he touched, you know, a generation and like. You know, it makes me realize kind of how significant him and his group really were and, like, that they aren't just my favorite group who
0: so many people don't realize were as great as they were because so many people do realize it. Yeah, um, <coughs> yeah. I saw there was, I, I, so the other day I was, I couldn't get to sleep or, like, I'd woken up at, like, 5 a.m. or something because of my sickness. So I turned on the TV and uh, The Wedge was on, like, the Much Music show hosted by the guy from Fucked Up. Oh, Yeah. And they did a whole episode about, about the Beastie Boys and stuff. Yeah, he so showed that games. same sentiment that yeah.
1: nobody, like, no kind of media personality passing had ever affected him the way this one did. Yeah. Because I, I watched him be like like, probably from that same thing, but in this kind of tribute <laughs> they put together on Much More Music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like, he was just, like... You know, he was really the social conscience of that group. Yeah, and, and, like, he, you know, set up so many... Like, he was so into, like, when he kind of learned about kind of what was going on with Tibet and everything. Yeah. And, like, he set up the, you know, Tibetan freedom concerts and everything. And, like, he
0: was just so... Such a beautiful man. He seems like a guy that everyone is in agreement with of being, like, a great person. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. no one has said anything bad about him. Yeah. It's like there are very few celebrities who can do that. Like, yeah. very few big people where when they die, it's not, like... Well, I miss this guy, but he was kind of a dick. It's like right. everyone is like... Th- there are so many people on Twitter, especially, who were who were saying things mm-hmm. like, about him. And,
1: and what I love about that is that it really shows how much the Beastie Boys have clearly moved past their kind of, you know, their license to ill phase and those kind of idiot personas they portrayed. And like, to me, it seems like so many people still link them with that and don't realize that they've
0: spent the rest of their career trying to distance themselves from that. Yeah, like even I was reading about... <coughs> Adam Yauch, and uh, you know he he actually like made statements to like the LGBT community, yeah. like apologizing about their earlier lyrics, and mm-hmm. like he, you know he, yeah, and he has a lyric like he has a lyric, you know one of my one of my favorite lyrics
1: is about ill communication, where he says like I gotta say a little something that's all overdue, all the disrespecting women has got to be through to all the mothers and the sisters and their wives and friends. I wanna offer my love and respect till the end. Yeah. On that note, I want to say another one of my favorite MCA lyrics, because I, I've been thinking about which ones are my favorites pay tribute in South yeah. Paul's Boutique, and it's, and it's uh, people come up to me and try to talk shit, man. I was making records when you were sucking your mother's dick. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, that's a really good <laughs> one. That's a, it's, it's a real shame. I mean, he just yeah, seems it's a really like a lost great, to the a great, great person. and Yeah. I, I really need to see holy shit, I can't believe I shot that. Yeah, let's whatever. watch it like I own I, really, I know, I know you do. I really want to watch that because yeah. I, I imagine I would only love it. Yeah, it's really
1: cool. And there's like, there's a neat little, I mean, it's kind of boring to watch, but it's just funny in concept, so it's kind of fun to watch, where it's like this little like, Mini documentary on that DVD that's like a day in the life of Nathaniel Hornblower. I'd probably like that a I mean, lot. Yeah, it's
0: pretty sweet. Um, yeah, <coughs> apparently, and this is this is not that big of a deal, but apparently, the Beastie Boys record sales in the wake of his death have gone up by yeah. more than a thousand percent. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah, and like you know, I was doing like I was I was watching videos and you know I was I was paying my tributes. Yeah. Doing what I could. Yeah, which, I even um, went back and listened
1: to Hot House
0: Committee Part Two, which. Like is a much
1: better album than I thought it was when I when I first listened to it was kind of disappointed by it, so yeah, yeah. yeah it makes me more like I kind of wonder what Mike D and and Ad Rock are gonna do now,
0: yeah like do you think they're gonna start an
1: off sh- do you think they're just done, I hope not I hope they keep working together and kind of like keep his memory alive
0: but you don't want them to be, I mean they can't be the Beastie of course, Boys of though, course of course want them to be, the Beastie be boys. ridiculous but I
1: I want them to do a new project together yeah but I yeah I wonder what's gonna happen. Yeah still real fresh so
0: yeah definitely i mean we'll see in a, in a couple of weeks probably what's what what happens in this there's aftermath. this weird
1: effect that the internet's had where like whenever a kind of media personality dies i have to question if it's a hoax really
0: yeah that's odd
1: because there are so many of those there's so many times where people like you hear this person die then it turns out they didn't die but you know what that, that apparently happens a lot but i never hear about it anywhere like, I don't think it happens as much as it used to anymore, but it's definitely happened a lot in the past, so I'm just never sure. Like, now, like, I feel like now when... Even when you told me that, I kind of had to wonder, but at the same time, because he had cancer, it wasn't a huge... Like, lead. when
0: I go on Sputnik and it says that somebody died, I'm usually like, yeah, that person's dead. Yeah, yeah,
1: once I wanted to it on Sputnik, and especially once I saw, like, his obituary on the Beastie Boys website, it's pretty yeah. hard to deny it.
0: Yeah. Alright, should we move on to the other big, big news one? Do you want do you want more MCA talk? I don't know. I want to talk about MCA more, but I guess there's not a whole lot more to say. Yeah, I don't. I don't we really cover it all. Else. The I, can, I can. contribute to this. Yeah. I can contribute more to the next one. Which yeah, is, the next uh, one's very interesting. Yeah, which is super interesting. So Tom Gable, the um, singer of Against, Against, Against Me. Me, who are a a seminal pop punk band. Pop punk is. That what or you're sorry, talking? I don't know why I said pop punk. I guess. I guess maybe talk. now. Yeah. Yeah. It's in my head. Yeah. Just a yeah. A, a seminal punk band um, from the early '90s and on. Uh, who who have recently sort of made strides into just kind of modern rock? Yeah, is getting a sex change. Mm-hmm. He's uh yeah he's be, he's becoming a woman. He's he's currently on like he's taking estrogen pills, I guess, or and whatever else you need. And I guess he's getting surgery soon. I don't entirely know, but yeah, yeah he's he's doing it. Was it was pretty surprising news when I first heard. Yeah, about it was because totally it was so surprising. Unexpected, yeah, but it was also really cool. It it is cool. It's it's really. <coughs> I mean, the, the the impact of this is huge, because he's sort of the first... He's the Exactly, the first really, really famous person yeah. to do this. He's the first person to do this. Or the first really yeah. f- public person to do yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, and especially he's the first person to do it in public, like, to, yeah. to do it while it's in the process. And, like, you know, this is a guy who is was in, you know, now they're sort of on a major label, and they've sort of broken into the mainstream, but that's after ten years of being one of the premier voices in like underground punk music mm-hmm. for or, and, and folk punk especially and yeah sort of I wouldn't say maybe I, would, I would, I'm not sure if i would say the inventors of folk punk but definitely yeah, maybe one definitely of the first a leading light yeah um leading voice so it's really interesting and it is true like in, in earlier songs he he definitely talks about it especially over their past couple releases like he has a song in, on new wave which i didn't because i you know i don't pay attention to lyrics a lot of the time mm. Against we do have really good lyrics and once in a while. Yeah, the early yeah. stuff is all I know, but they have great even, lyrics. Yeah, out. even the new stuff has really good lyrics. but uh, So yeah, there's a song on there where he literally says, so the lines are, or, or the, the, the real line is, if I could have chosen, I would have been born a woman. Like, he says it explicitly. So, Interesting, yeah, it's yeah. the thing that he's thought about for, I mean, obviously, you don't going yeah. like, I
1: want to be a woman, I'm going to go get <laughs> yeah, a sex hey, today. I've been a woman all my life, and I just figured that out
0: now. Yeah, you know, this is obviously something that you you grapple with for a while before yeah. you make the choice. And I think it's, it's really,
1: like, it opens up a dialogue about this kind of thing, and, like, yeah. you know, it really bothers me how, like, you know, as far as the kind of whole LGTB thing is concerned, it's kind of, there's a certain level of acceptance, you know, towards homosexuality now, and people kind of, whether or not they really like it, have to kind of adhere to it, or they'll get kind of, you know, called out for it. And it's sort of, you know, in these kind of, a lot of these unfunny Hollywood comedies I'm talking about where they'll still kind of make jokes about gay people but it'll always be yeah. with a certain friendliness and yet there's still the it's trans, still kind yeah. of acceptable to make jokes at the yeah, expense Yeah, like, like in there Hangover a really 2 was really horrible And you know what? It was an actual joke. transgender porn star who was in that movie yeah. but she was still it seemed to be kind of allowing them to make
0: jokes at her expense. Yeah, the whole joke was oh my god <coughs> she's a transgender person. Yeah. Disgusting. Ah. Yeah, and so yeah. this
1: really kind of opens up you know people think people who may you know, thinking about it maybe for the first time and, like, actually kind of considering it. You know, like, I read this thing, I was talking about how Against Me were kind of a very masculine band, and yeah. this will kind of make fans of theirs who maybe fancied them to be a masculine band have to think well, about it Well, especially
0: with Tom Gable's vocals. Like, that's what yeah. makes this almost the most interesting, is that Tom Gable's yeah. vocals are... Very masculine, very masculine. Like they are deep and
1: growly. But and... what's beautiful is that it makes you reconsider your whole concept of what masculine is
0: and what it will be in the future. Yeah. What I'm really, I mean, th- sorry. Before, because I wanted to say, just like the the most, the the best part about this about this is that, <laughs> like. That his wife is just like sticking with him. Yeah, that's, and that's great. amazing. That, like his wife and his kids. Like he's explaining it to them, and they're like, "Yep, okay, we're gonna we're gonna keep it going." Yeah, I mean that's an interesting that's thing amazing. when it's
1: kind of like the man you've been in love with is becoming a woman, and like, how do you kind of reconcile that if you're not attracted to women?
0: Yeah. Well, but I guess the thing is, like, you know, it's the, to... it's the same person. Yeah. Yeah. So, exactly. You know. Um, Yeah, which
1: is another interesting thing. It adds to this
0: dialogue. So yeah, he's now gonna change his name to can't find it. It's Laura something. Yeah, it's Laura something.
1: It's cool that Against Me are going to continue now, and that like, you know, he knows that kind of like there are gonna be fans who maybe won't be accepting of it, but that he is just gonna ignore them (laughs) because they aren't the ones who matter.
0: You know, maybe this is exactly what Against Me needs to be good again. I hope so.
1: It'd be great if they come up with like their best album since As the Eternal Cowboy.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So he's gonna be he's gonna be known as Laura Jane Grace. Hmm.
1: What I really like about this too is that seemingly like there's a lot of support, and you know you expect a lot of shitheads on the internet, but like I haven't seen a lot of people be like. I haven't bleh, seen bleh, a lot bleh. of. There was
0: a thing on Twitter, or there was a thing on NME that I was I was browsing it today to get news stories, and there was a thing about it. Uh, about like one of the singers from the Gaslight Anthem telling people to fuck off and yeah, you know, like like let him do his choice, which means like there's been some dissent. I just, either. but I haven't seen any like it weren't. Yeah, see, like, of most it.
1: people are attacking those bashers and are kind of like supporting him, which is good. You know that people are kind of open about it like that.
0: Uh, yeah. So Against Me's last album was was pretty shit. Yeah. And so I really want to see if this makes them good again. And I want to. I really want to see what happens to his, or I guess at this point, her, voice. Yeah.
1: Well, um, I. She said that at this point she's not really anticipating too much of a change, like that she doesn't necessarily want, and like that you know the hormones are going to do something, but for the most part her voice is going to be is going to kind of stay the same. Really. Yeah. That's that what seems... I read. That's what I read in this article, like toward the end.
0: Really. It doesn't say that. Air. Oh, maybe not. I must have read that somewhere else. But. Yeah. I'm, I don't know. I don't see how that's possible. Put the guitar down. You can't do that while we're recording. I, I'm just afraid it's going to fall. That's why I'm holding oh, it. okay, fine. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's like a really courageous thing to do. And, and, you yeah, know, exactly. B- yeah. Big ups. To be in the public eye, dude. Yeah, know, b- big ups. Like, the only that's other rock
1: good. musician I can think of who ever did that was... Uh, There was, like, a member of some prog band who is transgender. Really? Yeah, like, a former keyboardist for King Crimson or something. Mm
0: -hmm. All right. Well, we have a bit of time if you want to go into news stories. I don't know if we even should. Well,
1: we may as well talk about some stuff. Okay. Like, not make conversations out of it, but just mention it. Like, the, the main thing is The, the that, Queen thing? The queen is that, thing yeah. that yeah. yeah. So because, Freddie, like, yeah. who has a Roger Taylor, I think, just said a few weeks ago, they wouldn't want to do something like that with their friend Freddie, and now Brian May is saying that that's essentially what they're going to no, do. No, Queen
0: aren't doing it. It's not for Queen. Right, I guess it's a We Were Rocking thing,
1: Rocky, but the, yeah. the band is going to be there. I'm not sure if they are. No, no, I think that's the whole thing. Like, Queen is going to be there.
0: I didn't see that.
1: Now, of course, it's important to note that this is, as they say, not a hologram like Tupac, but an optical illusion. Which is
0: funny because Tupac also was not a hologram; he was an optical. Oh, illusion. Oh really? Yeah, he so it's, was so like, it's the same thing. Basically, huh? he wasn't a. Re- I mean, he was like you know they, they he was like a three D image, but they projected that onto the stage. It wasn't like he the the thing on the stage was not a hologram. It was right, a projection right. of a hologram. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It, it doesn't like on this article. It doesn't say anything about about Queen playing. It just says that Bryant, or that uh, Freddie Mercury will be there. Well, that's interesting. Maybe that would kind of
1: explain why Roger Taylor Wasn't specifically put like that. that in his comments like, I wouldn't have a problem with anybody else doing that. Yeah. Because <laughs> he, well, yeah, he knew. Yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, regardless, I, this is just a really crazy and silly trend that's yeah. going on. Yep, it's and weird. I don't
0: support it. Agreed. Don't back it <laughs> at all. Especially not to celebrate the 10th anniversary of a fucking jukebox, jukebox musical. Yeah. Bullshit. Get yeah. out. Yeah, I don't like it. Don't like it at all. It makes me uneasy.
1: Another thing that, uh, that has a similar kind of exploitive aftertaste, I mean a really kind of explicit exploitation, is that Michael Jackson's going to appear on the Pepsi Can's. And what's interesting about this news is that, you know, back in the 90s, Michael Jackson, the whole Jackson family had a kind of like had a deal with Pepsi and like, you know, Michael Jackson shot a commercial for them where his hair was set on fire very famously and uh, which supposedly perhaps led to kind of you know, the rest of his life since then, and kind of his addiction to painkillers and everything, which is probably baloney. But regardless, you know, it was a, very, a kind of like, this. it's kind of a very famous moment, and like, you know, I don't think that Jackson family ever worked with Pepsi again after that, and now he's going to be on the cans. I will say one thing, though. The cans look pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. It's like, it's kind of like, you know, late period Michael Jackson, just like, you know, in his kind of like, you know kind of like show mode. Well, whatever. it's probably
0: like, because it, it's, it's the anniversary of Bad, right? Oh, yeah, That's I guess it's it, it is. So bad so it's Michael Jackson, Jackson yeah.
1: which just looks like modern Michael Jackson. White, white suit? He he's white, yeah. White suit, uh, kind of? Like sparkly suit kind of thing. Well, like, like open? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, look it up. Like jacket, or is it more of like a suit? No, it's more of a suit. It's like the sparkly okay, I think I know, suit. Okay, I think I know
0: what you're about. Um, I want to talk about Limp Bizkit's new album title. What is it? I don't remember. I looked at Stampede it. of the Disco Elephants. That's awesome. I guess I didn't know that was what it was called. Uh, I'm excited. That's all. I just think I need to mention that. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> uh,
1: another thing, this is pretty cool, actually. Ed Helms, the actor who plays Andy yeah. in The Office and he's in The Hangover and stuff, is uh, going to be releasing his first Bluegrass album. Great. Yeah, that's really cool. That's sweet because like he always plays banjo and guitar in like The Office and in The Hangover and, and stuff. And he can sing,
0: too. Yeah. yeah.
1: So it's interesting, like, he's been with this band since college, and he's gonna release an album, which obviously, you know, drives the inevitable comparison to Steve Martin who did it a few years ago and did it very well. He pulled it off. Yeah. So that's cool.
0: That's very cool. Agreed.
1: It's all sweet because, you know, bluegrass is a genre that's so invisible in the mainstream and has never really, you know, it's always seen as kind of a white trash joke or whatever, much like all of country music (laughs) in general, and, like, these kind of crossover things can help legitimize it to people who... Never would have considered it before.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so that's cool. Burzum's creating a tabletop RPG. Yeah, he is. <laughs> uh, th- there's not much information about it, but it's in the works. Yeah, it's super cool. It's going to be like a you know, D&D type yeah. game. Man, I would like that guy so much more if his he whole wasn't character a wasn't so... And... No, I don't care about the murder and arson. I'm okay with that. It's but just it's like the Nazi, in Yeah, that's really bad. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Where I was kind of like, ha that's awesome. And then like, wait a minute. Wait, this is Bar's kind of not awesome. <laughs> no, I still think it's cool.
1: I <laughs> bet you... I'm still separating him from his everything. He All the vile things he represents as a person and thinking right. that like, you know... A tabletop RPG being released by the man who is Burzim and who does have a really extensive knowledge of kind of like, yeah. you know, token worlds and all yeah.
0: that is kind of interesting. <laughs> I bet you like the minor enemies are just going to be like Jews.
1: Well, somebody made a joke on Sputnik, and somebody made a comment that was like, the last boss should be a, a black person. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I, I, surely he's not going to
0: incorporate much of his. No, I, d- I imagine he'll do most ideology. of his like. I mean, most of his like Nordic mythology. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is going to be what he does. Yeah. Which is which seems, thanks to people like
1: him, to be inherently racist. But, but it's still different. I don't know. It's not really. But the whole idea, like it's a, it's kind of really nationalistic, and it's kind of like you know they're very kind of you know, them over everybody else kind of attitude. I guess. You know, I, like, you know, because any knowledge I have of kind of like Scandinavian culture and history comes from black metal, oh. it, be, See, it any, seems to be any, any knowledge I, I have of Norse
0: mythology comes from Thor comics. True. So, <laughs> yeah. I think we have different views of what that means. Most definitely. Um, okay. We have 30 seconds. Can we not go overtime? Does it have to be an hour and a half?
1: I can go a little over, I guess. Because I want to talk about a few more things. Okay, fine, fine. Uh, you know, last week we talked about that, the fact that Dave Grohl was mysteriously in the studio with Butch Vig and... Right. Uh, and what's-his-face, the bassist? Chris Novoselic. Yeah, Chris Novoselic. And uh, it seems like what this actually might be a part of, which is pretty cool, is a documentary that Butch Vig and Dave Grohl are making together called Sound City. And it's... Have you heard about this? No. I would assume... Was it about Seattle? It's not about Seattle, it's about this recording studio in particular. Cool. And apparently they're and apparently that's also what like the Corey Taylor collaboration is for and like other stuff like that he's been doing. Apparently they're putting together a soundtrack together for this documentary. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why the three of them are in the studio. Maybe like okay. Kurt Novoselic's Chris Novoselic's gonna be kind of a part of that soundtrack or whatever. Fucking rad. Yeah, I, I, I would, would like Chris
0: Novoselic to return. <laughs> Yeah, What? Well, I mean, that's less with... exciting than the idea of them actually recording sure. something as a band. Yeah, but yeah, still, but cool. like, just Chris Novoselic is a great and underrated bass player. Yeah. Uh, like, some of his parts are so great and so yeah, awesome. unique, and man, that guy is great, so... Yeah. And any, anything that he will do to come back, I'm super pumped for.
1: Yeah, I guess he kind of gets overshadowed by Kurt Cobain and Dave Grohl. Yeah, Bro, he totally does. When no he one... is clearly yeah. just as important.
0: Yeah, I mean, that guy was his bass lines make those songs just as much as the other two do, yeah, exactly. as, as a three-piece usually does, and, like, he is a very creative bass player. Some of his bass parts are kind of insane in yeah. terms of... Like, not in terms of technical shit, but in terms of just, like, what, what they're doing counter to what's, what the main melody is and stuff. It's pretty interesting, the kind of stuff he does. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, I guess the last thing I want to talk about is the fact that D'Angelo is returning
1: to the stage for the Essence Music Festival... Um, it's the first time in 10 years that he's performing mm. at least in the United States uh, and so that's pretty cool. I, I didn't even know apparently he's had a pretty sordid personal history in that in the decade he's been away from music it was just like prostitution and drug charges and all that kind of DUI and all that kind of typical sort of stuff yeah but yeah D'Angelo is an artist who I who I like a lot and that's cool that he's returning
0: yeah. I don't think I have no. No connection at all.
1: You should listen to Voodoo. Voodoo's an excellent album. Like, his first album is, like, decent, but Voodoo's amazing. Word. And, you know, like, Questlove and Jay Dill are
0: the primary architects of the album. Oh, well, then in that case. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) Okay. (coughs) Um, So, two dolphins overdosed at a rave.
1: (laughs) What? What are you talking
0: about? Um, There was a rave in Switzerland at a zoo and these two animals who were named Shadow and Chelmers were fed or at least no one really knows but apparently were fed a heroin substitute and they overdosed and died that's
1: really sad and undeniably yeah. humorous yeah
0: i mean it is really sad like apparently like the article goes over like how they like it was like a slow and painful death <laughs> and like really bad like in, right. a, in a
1: movie, I think unless it handled really well, that'd be a really unfunny joke. Yeah. The fact that it happened in real life makes it weird. Just and funny. it's yeah.
0: so surreal because yeah. the, the headline is verbatim. Dolphins overd- The headline verbatim is two dolphins <laughs> overdose at techno rave in a zoo. Yeah, that's really like humorous. every part of that is more <laughs> ridiculous than the last part. <laughs> yeah, because it makes you imagine dolphins raving. Yeah, there's like, <laughs> you know, like fucking. Yeah, yeah, I feel
1: really bad laughing at that.
0: Yeah, but it's, 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 it's funny it's by silly. way of how bizarre it is. Yeah,
1: and in reality, the reality of the story is not all that bizarre, but
0: it's still kind of who has a raven to zoo. That's like the worst idea. <laughs> you're right. That part that's a is really horrible surreal.
1: idea. But dolphins being fed a drug and dying and overdosing isn't really unrealistic. No, you're right. But I guess it's, it's, it's the circumstances surrounding it and yeah. that led to it that make it bizarre. Yeah.
0: Um, all right. Take us home with this. Wait, wait, wait. Let me hear this Earl Sweatshirt news quickly.
1: I, it's not – like I don't know. All it is is that for some reason he's getting his own imprint through Columbia and he's still going to put the odd future kind of like label on his music but he also has his own label so he's not – like, a part of the Odd Future label. Weird. Uh, Yeah, I don't understand what the point of that is. Neither do
0: I. Maybe there are certain terms in the Odd Future label contract that, like, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't doubt that this means nothing in terms of his affiliation with Odd Future. But it just. It It could be a
0: licensing thing. It could be because he wasn't part of them originally. And Mm. there could be like a clause when they like originally signed the deal that it's like these are the members of Odd Future who are part Mm -hmm. of this label. And like maybe he had to do this because he came in after.
1: I guess that could make sense. That would be the most.
0: Yeah. I don't know. All right. Take us home. (sighs) Too too loud, loud, guys. guys. Loud, guys. Ew. <laughs> Resolve it nicely. Make it like a full chord. Like, do a full bar chord. You can do it. You can do it. Yep. Yep. Yup. Yeah, there you go. You wait, did it. Wait.
1: Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night, America.